This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes is dedicated to all of our student performers past and present who have been unable to perform theater over the past 12 months. We hope this performance reminds all of you that creativity on the stage has not gone away, but merely lays dormant. We cannot wait to see what the future holds for each and every one of you. New Cumberland Middle School presents Andrew Wickenheiser and Piper Martz in a Sherlock Holmes radio mystery. Adapted by John Jory. Produced by special arrangement with Pioneer Drama Service, Denver, Colorado. We take you now to 19th century London for another tale from Dr. Watson about his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And while you're sitting back comfortably in your chair, mind if I tell you something about this production? It sure could use your feedback. Make sure to leave us a rating and a comment, and we look forward to potentially bringing you more more productions of this kind in the future. If you're interested in making a charitable contribution towards our future productions, please visit ncmsmusical.com to learn more. 100% of all proceeds directly benefit future productions. And now for our visit with our good friends, Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes. Good evening, Sherlock Holmes. I'm afraid you have the advantage of me. (laughs) You cannot deduce my identity by the powder I use or my lodgings by the month's back on my shoe? I could, of course, though I have no reasoning. But now that you mention it, I believe you live on Regent Street. Bravo, Mr. Holmes. Accurate as an arrow, in a way. You have a very small, thin leaf caught in your hair from a yew tree, I should imagine. There are few in London. But on Regent Street? Six. I visited Regent Street this morning, so you are both right and wrong all in a bundle. More right than wrong, I think. Do you not dance, Mr. Holmes? Is it not a prerequisite when you attend a ball? I fear I am here on other purposes. A murder, I assume? Something far less interesting. Defrauding of a bank. Oh dear, that is boring. Would you dance with me, Mr. Holmes? I'm generally found more amusing than a bank. Of that, I have no doubt. Well, then. Ah, what a nice surprise. You dance superbly. It is a mechanical skill. Wrong and wrong and wrong again. It is the poetry of two persons in tune. A door which might just open to things surprising and beautiful, and not a wit mechanical. A door I choose not to open, as it would distract me from my mistress. Ah, now the conversation begins to interest me. I hope you will not tell me that your mistress is deduction. Precisely. An answer without perfume. I am, however, a linguist of the dance, and from the light pressure of your hand upon my waist, and the fact that your eyes have not moved from mine, I can deduce you are not completely devoid of poetry. Oh dear, I always hate the end of things when the poetry is just beginning. I am Irene Adler. I knew. I knew you knew. I'm not finished with you, Sherlock Holmes. Watson here. You've asked about Irene Adler? To Sherlock Holmes, she was always THE woman. I have seldom heard him mention her under any other name. In his eyes, she eclipses all. Holmes, of course, is the most perfect reasoning machine the world has ever seen. He never spoke of the softer passions, and yet there was but one woman to him, and that was the late Irene Adler. I had seen little of Holmes for some time, My marriage had drifted us apart. However, 
on the 20th of March. I was returning home and saw his rooms were brilliantly lit. I could see his silhouette pacing about. Not being able to quell my curiosity, I went boldly up. His manner was not effusive. Ah, Watson. Well, there you are. I hope I do not disturb. Not in the least. Come in. Wedlock seems to suit you. You've put on seven and a half pounds since I last saw you. Only seven, I think. No, no, seven and a half. I see you've a clumsy, careless servant girl. Old friend, you would certainly be burned at the stake a few centuries ago. Mary Jane is incorrigible. How did you work it out? Simplicity itself. Your boots are scarred, obviously by a servant scraping mud off without paying attention. Ha ha ha. I am always baffled until you explain your process. And yet, I believe my eyes are as good as yours. Quite so. But you must remember to observe as well as see. For example, you have climbed the steps leading up to this room before. Hundreds of times. Then how many are there? How many? I don't know. Elementary. You have seen, but you have not observed. Seventeen. Because I have both seen and observed. Come in. Good heavens, Mr. Hudson. What are you doing up at this hour? A landlord never sleeps, Mr. Holmes. I've heard a familiar voice, so I came up with a bit of tea and biscuits. A pleasure to see you, Mr. Hudson. Oh, but we've missed you, Dr. Watson. Mr. Holmes is too much alone, and up to heavens knows what. Needs a bit of company, he does. Thank you, and good night, Mr. Hudson. Good night yourself, Mr. Holmes. I found a very nice lady down the block, Mr. Watson. Educated like a queen, widow to a bridge builder. Quite a beauty, if I may so, but he won't hear of it. Going off his rocker from some solitude, if you ask me. See here! Really, Mr. Hudson? You must tell me more. More nonsense, I say. Out, Mr. Hudson, go! It's not natural, Dr. Watson. You must give him a talking to. Ha <laughs> ha. Shall I give you a talking to, Holmes? You most certainly shall not. You do seem a bit irritable. Bosh. But... As you are here, take a look at this letter. Very nice paper. Came in the morning post. Well, I have a moment for a sit down. Let's see. A gentleman will call on you tonight upon a matter of the very deepest importance. Don't stare over my shoulder, Holmes. It's distracting. Your recent services to one of the royal houses of Europe show you may be trusted. Be in your chambers at 8 o'clock. Do not take it amiss if your visitor wears a mask. What do you suppose it means? It is a capital mistake to theorize before one has data. One begins to twist facts to suit theories, instead of theories to suit facts. But the note itself? What do you deduce? Expensive paper, this. Not English paper at all. Hold it up to the light. All right, then. Hmm. Large E with a small G, P and a large G, with a small T woven into the texture of the paper. Perhaps the name of the maker? Look here. The G with the small T stands for Gesellschaft, which is German for company. The EG stands for the city Egria. It is in a German-speaking country, in Bohemia. Thus, the paper was made in Bohemia. Precisely. And we can tell that the man who wrote the note is German. But what is wanted by this German who writes on Bohemian paper and prefers wearing a mask? And here he comes, if I am not mistaken. Come to the window, Watson. Look. Expensive carriage, beautiful horses, 
Stay with me, Doctor. This promises to be interesting, and it would be a pity to miss it. Listen. The heaviness of his step upon the stair makes him over 200 pounds. Do come in. I told you I would call. Pray, take a seat. This is my colleague, Dr. Watson. A pleasure. Whom have I the honor to address? Count Von Crum of Bohemia. May I trust your companion? Absolutely and completely. I bind you to complete secrecy for two years. Our conversation may influence European history. We agree. Excuse the mask. He who employs me wishes my identity to be unknown to you. The name I give is not exactly my own. I assumed so. The matter implicates the King of Bohemia. And you are the King of Bohemia. How did you know? Just there on your forehead are lasting indentations made only by a crown. Amazing. One has only to use one's eyes. Five years ago, in Warsaw, I made the acquaintance of the well-known adventuress Irene Adler. Ah, prima donna at Poland's Imperial Opera, retired from the stage and living in London. How do you know this? It is my business to know London. And Irene Adler. Your Majesty wrote the lady compromising letters, and you now desire them back. Precisely so. But how? Was there a secret marriage? None. No legal papers of certificates? None. Then how is she to prove the paper's authenticity? There's the writing. Bosh. Forgery. My private notepaper. Stolen. My royal seal. Counterfeited. We were both in a photograph? Oh dear. A bonafide indiscretion. I was mad. Insane. It must be recovered. Bought or stolen. Five attempts had been made and failed. Absolutely delightful. What is? What does she propose to do with the photograph? Ruin me. Would anyone care for tea? No. You see, I am to be married. Clotilda Lothman von Saxman again. Daughter of the King of Scandinavia. Hers is a family of strict principles. She herself is the soul of delicacy. A shadow of doubt and the marriage is called off. And Irene Adler? Threatens to send them the photograph. Photography is a terrible thing. She is resolute. She has a soul of steel. She does not wish me to marry another. And you are sure she has not sent it yet? She has not. And why not? She said she will send it on the day the betrothal is publicly proclaimed. That will be next Monday. (sighs) Oh good, we have three days left. All is well with the world. You know, I think I will have another cup of tea, Watson. Three days is fortunate, for I have two matters of importance to be looked into. But your majesty will stay in London. At the Langham Hotel under the name of Von Crumb. I shall be in contact. I shall be all anxiety. Then, as to money. Absolutely anything that is needed. How nice. I would give one of my country's provinces to have that photograph. I have no need of a province, but for present expenses? In this leather bag, you will find 300 pounds in gold and 700 in notes. That should do, eh, Watson? Yes, quite. And Mademoiselle's address? Briny Lodge, Serpentine Avenue, St. John's Wood. I'll show you out. No need. Is there a tavern nearby? To your left. Quite fascinating, Holmes. Indeed. Call tomorrow at 3 o'clock, Watson. I should like to chat more about this matter. Until then. The next day at 3 o'clock precisely, I was outside the Baker Street office, but Holmes had not yet returned. I was already deeply interested in this business, as the exalted station of his client gave it a character of its own. It was close to 4 when an inebriated passerby hailed me. 
Give me a light then, Jen, if you'd be so kind. One moment. I believe I have a match in my pocket. <laughs> well, hurry it up then. Good heavens. Is that you, Holmes? I'm very much afraid it is. <laughs> you look perfectly filthy. A bit of a laugh, eh? Guess what I've been up to. I suppose you've been watching The Habits and perhaps The House of Irene Adler? Quite so, but the sequel was rather unusual. Shall we go up to my office? I'm being eaten by fleas. I left here this morning in the character of an out-of-work room from the racetrack, as you just saw. I soon found Irene Adler's Bryony Lodge, so of course, I walked around and examined it. I ran across a lane where horse trainers were at work, and by lending a hand, came into possession of a mug of malt and as much information about Miss Adler as I could desire. There now, I look a bit more like myself, eh, Watson? It would seem Miss Adler is in the judgment of working men, the daintiest thing under a bonnet on this planet. Tea? Please. Adler lives quietly, sings concerts, and returns at seven for dinner. A Mr. Godfrey Norton, very dashing, seems to be her beau. They knew all and nothing about him at the same time. Was she his client, friend, or mistress? Excellent tea, Watson. Now, if client, perhaps she had given him the photograph for safekeeping. If mistress, it is less likely. I fear I bore you with these details. By no means. The woman intrigues. Oh, does she? Not in the way you insinuate, Watson. You're an incurable romantic. I speak not of romance, but of your intense interest. There are criminals aplenty to do me that service. Not the same thing at all, I'm afraid. Your marriage has addicted you to nonsense. Admit, you have spoken of her often. Miss Adler deserves attention, as she has the mind and charm to excel at crime. And that is the only reason you pursue her? This is nonsense. Attend me. I was walking back from her house when a cab drew up and a remarkably handsome man jumped out. Godfrey Norton, without a doubt. Cookie? No, thank you. This Mr. Norton marched into the Adler home and was there half an hour. Presently, he stepped out of the cab, shouting, Drive like the devil to Gross and Hankies on Regent Street, and then to the Church of St. Monica on Edware Road. Intriguing. Away he went. If you gesticulate like that, Holmes, you'll smash the glassware. Suddenly, out shot Irene Adler, who stopped another cab and gave the same address. This being too good to lose, Watson, I commanded a third cab, and the race was on. Upon arrival, I ran into the church, and there they were, clergyman in hand, at the altar. Norton immediately ran toward me, crying out, You'll do! What then? He yanked me by the arm, saying, Come, man, only three minutes, or it won't be legal. So there I was, Watson, serving witness as they tied the knot of matrimony. Ha <laughs> ha, preposterous. Not tied, I signed as witness, and the clergyman required... Norton gave me a sovereign and rushed out. Irene sprinted by his side, said, I shall be at the park at five. Then they left in different vehicles. So, I am in need of your services, Watson. Delighted. You don't mind breaking the law? I'll try anything once. The cause is excellent. Done. I was sure I could rely on you. Explain. It is nearly five now. In two hours, we must be on the scene. Madam Irene returns at seven, and we must be there to meet her. And what then? You must leave that to me. I have already arranged what is to occur. You must not interfere, come what may. In no case? Do nothing whatsoever. 
There will probably be a small unpleasantness. Do not join in. It will end in me being conveyed into the house. Minutes later, the sitting room window will be open. Station yourself by the window. Done. I will be visible to you. Yes. When I raise my hand, you will throw into the room what I give you to throw. Excellent. Then cry, fire! You quite follow me? I have learned the part and will perform. First rate. I ask that you leave now as I must prepare for the new role I have to play. Very well. My role, as it has always been, is that of a minor player involved in a necessary action. Glad to see you're still here on the landing. I forgot to itemize your work. Take this. It is an ordinary plumber's snake rocket fitted with a cap at either end to make it self-lighting. Your cry of help will be taken up by quite a number of people. Then, Watson, walk to the end of the street and I will rejoin you in ten minutes. Have I been clear? Eventually. Good. I have makeup to apply. Wish us luck. I do not despair at my small part, for it allows me to watch and analyze a certain sort of genius at close range. The British stage lost a fine actor, but the nation gains its greatest specialist in crime. At six o'clock, we reached Bryony Lodge. Holmes was disguised as a simple-minded clergyman with thick glasses and benevolent curiosity. There is a group of shabbily dressed men, a scissors grinder, two soldiers flirting with a nurse, and several well-dressed young men lounging about and laughing. You see, Watson, this marriage rather simplifies matters. The photograph becomes a double-edged sword. Godfrey Norton would not care for it at all. The question is, whether do we find the photograph? On her person? It is unlikely. She carries it about with her. The king is quite capable of having her waylaid and searched. Where then? Perhaps her banker or a lawyer, but why would she hand it over to anyone else? Besides, remember that she has resolved to use it within a few days. I've come to think it is in her own house. But how will you look? I will not look. What then? I will get her to show me. But she will refuse. She will not be able to. Explain. No time. I hear her carriage. Just as Madame Adler's carriage pulled up, one of the loafing men dashed forward to open the door in the hope of earning a copper, but was elbowed away by another and a fight broke out. Here now. Get away from that. Hands off me. Have a bit of this, then. Ow! Irene Adler rushed out, followed by a maid. A man charged toward her, and Holmes pulled him away. Hands off me, mate. Try this for size. The man struck Holmes a blow, and he fell unconscious and lay bloody on the ground. Irene Adler spoke over the crowd. You shall all be arrested. Let's get out of here, lads. Others who watched the scuffle moved to help the injured man. Is that gentleman hurt? He's a brave fellow. They would have had my lady's purse and watch if it hadn't been for him. Bring him inside, will you? Yes, Miss Adler. Thus, Holmes was taken in and lamps lit. I could see him in the window, gently attended to by Madame Adler. I saw Holmes motion like a man who needs air. The maid threw open the window. At the same instance, Holmes raised a hand in the air. And at the signal, I threw the snake rocket and yelled, Fire! I then moved on, as ordered. Holmes arrived in a few minutes. You did very nicely, Doctor. Nothing could have been better. You have the photograph? I know where it is. How did you find out? She showed me, as I said she would. You leave me in the dark. The matter was perfectly simple. You saw, of course, that everyone on the street was my accomplice. A theater company engaged for the evening. I guess as much. When the row broke out, I had moist red paint in my hand, rushed forward, clapped my hands to my face, and became a piteous spectacle. An old theater trick, I imagine. From my days upon the stage at 17. What? I had everything but talent, Watson. Makeup was my speciality. Why did I never know this? 
Is it sensible to enumerate your failures? Now, as I was carried and put on a couch, I motioned for air, and they opened the window. Then you committed arson, or at least smoke. How did that help you? It was all important. The smoke and shouting were enough to shake nerves of steel. She responded beautifully. The photograph is in a secret reserve behind the bell pole. She half grew it out when I cried it was a false alarm. She replaced it and rushed from the room. I looked about and decided it was safer to leave it in its nook for the present. A little over-precipitance could ruin all. And now? I shall call upon her with the king tomorrow. If you care to come, we will be shown into the same sitting room to wait for the lady. But it is probable that when she comes, she will find neither us nor the photograph. When will you call upon her? Tomorrow. Come early for breakfast, then we will depart at eight in the morning. She will not be up, so we will have a clear field. And must wire the king with no delay. Back to Baker Street, eh? Shh. Someone is coming. Good night, Sherlock Holmes. Who the devil was that? I've heard that voice before. Good night, Watson. The next morning, we were on to a poached egg when... Have you really got it? Good morning, Your Majesty. No, not yet. But you have hopes. I have hopes. Buttered toast, Your Majesty? No, no, no. I am all impatient to be gone. Then we must find a cab. Not at all. My carriage is waiting. Come, come. You are a magician, Sir Holmes, and I cannot commend you highly enough. Turn at the next right on Briny Lodge, driver. Quickly, man. You should know that Irene Adler is married. Married? When? Yesterday. But to whom? To an English lawyer named Norton. But she could not love him. I am in hope she does. In hope? But why? Because it would spare your majesty all fear of future annoyance. That seems impossible to know. If the lady loves her husband, she does not love your majesty. If she does not love you, why should she interfere with your engagement? It is true. And yet... Do speak your mind, your majesty. What a queen she would have made. I quite agree. You know her? Know her? No. I danced with the lady once. Good heavens! You dance? I have heard it called the poetry of two persons in tune, which is of course rubbish. Oh yes. Of course. I believe that there are very few people in this world who, once met, leave their imprint on you. She, unfortunately, is one. A very romantic idea, your majesty. We're here. Bryony Lodge. May I help you? Oh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I believe. I am Sherlock Holmes. Miss Adler, beg pardon. Mrs. Norton told me you would call. She will not see you. What? See here, madam. Please tell the lady that we are coming in. You are quite free to enter, but she left this morning by the 515 train for Madrid. Impossible! Not at all. You mean she left England? Never to return. In the photograph. All is lost. She instructed me, Mr. Holmes, to give you this. And with that, I ask kindly that you leave. I have lost the lady, but gained a package. Is it possible? Pray, let me see. It is only a photograph of Irene Adler herself in an evening dress. May I see? Well, it's certainly not the photograph. Here, Holmes, an accompanying letter to Sherlock Holmes Esquire. <clears throat> to be left till called for. Let me see. Hmm. 
My dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, you did it very well. You took me in completely, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I'd been warned against you months ago. You know, Mr. Holmes, I found it hard to think evil of such a dear old clergyman, even as I understood costume. I myself have often dressed as a man to take advantage of the freedoms that it allows. As a man, I followed you to the door yesterday, and so I made sure that I was really an object of interest to the celebrated Sherlock Holmes. You will recall I said goodnight to you. I knew it. <clears throat> so, Mr. Holmes, my husband and I both thought the best resource was flight. Thus, you'll find the nest empty when you call. As for the photograph, your client may rest in peace. I love and am loved by a better man than he, the king. Here you are, your majesty. I hardly dare look. The king may do what he will without hindrance from one who he has cruelly wronged. I keep the photograph only to safeguard myself and to preserve a weapon which will always secure me. I leave instead a photograph your majesty might care to possess. Mr. Sherlock Holmes, a great pity you don't dance. Very truly yours, Irene Norton. What a woman. Oh, what a woman. Did I not tell you how quick and resolute she was? Would she have not have made an admirable queen? I'm sorry that I've not been able to bring your majesty's business to a more successful conclusion. On the contrary, my dear sir, I know her word is inviolate. That photograph is as safe with her as it would be if we had put it on the fire. I'm glad to hear your majesty says so. I am immensely indebted to you. Pray, let me see what your reward should be. Your majesty has something which I should value highly. You have but to name it. The photograph you hold. Irene's photograph. Good heavens. Certainly if you wish it. I thank your majesty. Then there's nothing more to be done in this matter. You are a surprising man, Mr. Holmes. I wish you also goodbye, Mr. Watson. I have the honor to wish you two a very good morning. We departed. It was over. And that is how a great scandal was averted. Holmes told me that some three years later on, he was walking home on a moonless evening. Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Miss Irene Norton. <laughs> you see through me immediately. You are more memorable than any disguise. I am, Mr. Holmes. You have need to hide yourself away. Only for my freedom and entertainment. Your husband? He has business elsewhere in Europe. Will you dine with me, Mr. Holmes? I must not. You must not, or you dare not. I have often thought of you. And I of you. In a world of patterns, you are an original. Not perhaps so much as yourself. Do you believe all things to be a matter of fortune and time? The opposite. I believe all things to have a logic that with effort and deduction can be clearly understood. I deny logic quite regularly. And I cannot. It is my passion and my profession. <laughs> a life of impenetrable logic? How dreadful. It has its fascinations. It must. Most men would dine with me. For some men, it would only be dinner. I must go. We will not meet again, Mr. Holmes. You may be sure I already regret it. <laughs> I adore you. And I you. Good evening. Fool. To Holmes, the softer passions were admirable things for the observer. Excellent for drawing the veil from men and women's motives and actions. For himself, however, they introduced a distracting factor which might throw doubt upon all his mental results. Still, I do not know that he always kept the lady's picture. One would suppose, on occasion, 
He looks at it. Thank you for joining us for a Sherlock Holmes radio mystery, adapted by John Jory, produced by special arrangement with Pioneer Drama Service, Denver, Colorado. Remember to leave us a rating, a comment, and tell your friends and family to listen. Additionally, if you like what you've heard, please be certain to let your administrators and school district representatives know. If you're interested in making a charitable contribution towards our future productions, please visit ncmsmusical.com to learn more. 100% of all proceeds directly benefit future productions. I'm Jan Lee Spies and I played Irene. I'm Tyler Divinity, and I played Mr. Hudson. I'm Haley Kelly, and I played the King. I'm Samantha Schindel, and I played Man 1. I'm Christiana Sobre, and I played Man 2 and Man 3. I'm Charlotte Loudon, and I'm playing the Maid. I'm Andrew Wickenizer, and I played Dr. Watson. I am Piper Marks, and I played Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Directed and produced by Aubrey Kreps. Technical Director, Sam Kreps. Special thanks to all our student performers who took the time to rehearse with us remotely to bring you this production, and thanks for being a part of all of our previous musical productions in the years prior. This is Sam Kreps saying goodnight for the New Cumberland Middle School family. A Sherlock Holmes radio mystery comes to you from our New Cumberland Middle School auditorium. This is the NCMS Broadcast System, 2021.